We're on the heels of the 4th of July. And what do we need to talk about? We need to talk about Marxism, major inroads into America recently in 2020. That's what we're talking about today on Insights. Well, I want to welcome back Fan Christopoulos to the studio. Welcome. It's good to be back after such a long time. <laughs> right. And we've had some major bumps in, in the road. Not only do you live a few hours away from here, so yep. we've got to kind of plan this out, but we had a little global pandemic come upon us that kind of kept us, uh, yep. what do they say, shelter in place, stay yep. home orders. So we haven't been able to do this. Definitely. But there's something much bigger than COVID-19 that's going on in your life. So can you share that with us? Yeah, my wife and I uh, had our firstborn son. Uh, his name is John Israel Christopoulos. Um, pretty crazy birth story. I mean, I, he was born two months early in the NIC, and he was supposed to be in the NICU for six to eight weeks. Mm -hmm. And God's hand was just on our life so much. He actually got out of the NICU in three weeks. Amazing. Made weight, was awesome. able to eat on his own, everything. We we're just so blessed. Awesome. So, And your wife and John are with us here um, today, yep. and it's great to be hanging out with your whole family. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. good to just come and fellowship with people again. It's mm -hmm. really refreshing. Well, I'm glad to have you back on Insights. Yeah, so let's, let's get after it. I wish we had something lighter to talk about. <laughs> But this is the world in which we live in terms yeah. of crises and chaos and difficulty. America is the gift that keeps on giving. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, we just want to really jump into this whole thing. Now, it's kind of crazy to be thinking about celebrating America's freedom, the 4th of July. Mm -hmm. It's summertime, growing out. This is great, right? But then actually talking today specifically in a big way that Marxism is on the march in this nation in a way that's probably imperceptible to a lot of people, but many people do know what's going on. Mm -hmm. And we'll get to the specifics here in a few minutes, but let's just set the table first in terms of why are we concerned about Marxism? And we hear, often hear the word socialism, which is just simply uh, a version of Marxism. In fact, a lot of people call it Marxist socialism. Mm -hmm. Why are we concerned about this? Personally, for me, um, I, th I see it as a threat to morality itself and the reason i say that is because as believers we take our morality from god's written word where marxism morality is subjective to the people that are in power and mm -hmm. our morals are then at the mercy of whoever's in power and one day it might be okay to murder people and the other day it won't be okay to read your Bible and worship the Lord. Mm -hmm. I th I, that's the biggest threat to me, at least. Right, so you have huge government in place with Marxism, mm -hmm. and it's telling all the people what to do. So like even something like abortion, which we're still hoping Roe v. Wade's mm -hmm. overturned, but even that, if, as long as that group is in power, there would never be an avenue for Correct. us to, to overturn that. Yep. Yeah, I mean, do any other examples come to mind? Um, there's a, for example, so I, we'll talk about socialism. Um, talking to a lot of people that I know that are more leaning towards that direction, a lot of their reasons for being in that area are for perceived moral reasons. So, for example, they'll say things like, it's immoral for somebody get to, to get denied health care just because they can't afford it. Mm -hmm. It's immoral for somebody to, be, to not be able to afford 
just a livable space to live based off of their income if they can't get a job to live somewhere. So they're using this moral versus immoral type of language paradigm. And these same people that are saying it's immoral for you and all these other people that have money to not give us money to help us are also saying it's immoral to kill an infant just because they're unborn. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, um, so we've got this this language going on, which often people say in culture that we're not supposed to legislate morality. Mm -hmm. But you're saying that's actually what Marxism ends up doing. Mm -hmm. And because it's often seen, and rightfully so, as a godless system, we are not going to get godly principles coming Mm -hmm. from a Marxist socialist uh, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, regime. So here's another big thing related to um, the Marxist uh, ideology paradigm, however you want to put it, is that they don't believe in sin and forgiveness, and our ultimate need is forgiveness, obviously what we Mm -hmm. would say as Christians, forgiveness in Christ. That's not on their radar. Mm -hmm. Do you know what is on their radar? No, what is? There is the oppressed Mm. and the oppressor. So we're no longer talking about sin. Mm -hmm. What we're talking about is always, and throughout every culture in human history, we have this one group that's oppressing this other group, Mm -hmm. and they're going to take it into their hands to fix it. And what's really odd to me about Marxist socialism, it's such a a heavy-handed government, it's such a a massive approach to government, you still have a group that is... I would call them the, the oppressor. It might be a new oppressor mm-hmm. if, you're, uh, if your country just moved into socialism, but you still have it. Yep. And you've got the people here, the proletariat, that got to get by. And so there's a bunch of things. I, I just want to throw in one other thing, and that would be um, uh, Marxism, socialism. It is no fan of private home ownership. That's mm-hmm. a, a building block that our, our uh, founding fathers saw in terms of true freedom, that you yep. own your own property, you can do what you want as you are on that on that property. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, obviously, we're talking about freedom to do make good decisions yeah. and so forth and not do something illegal. But the point being is that all of this is undermined and that, that we have, as I referred to a moment ago, what we see around the world today these are godless systems. Mm-hmm. You know, we can look at Venezuela, but you can also see the, the European version of socialism. Christians, faith, people of faith, it is not proliferating no. in these cultures. No, I definitely agree. Um, if you look at a lot of these other places, I know China, for instance, is communism, but at the end of the day, look at how difficult it is to be a Christian in an area like that. Exactly. It, you, as soon as we step out of freedom mm-hmm. into bondage, and mm-hmm. people for some reason don't see it this way, but if you are dependent upon a big government to take care of you, you're mm-hmm. in bondage. Exactly. We think the government can give us answers and help, and it actually will put us in bondage, which gets us to the heart of why um, I wanted to do this today mm-hmm. on the heels of the 4th of July. We think... We're still moving towards freedom and with all this kind of stuff going on. And I would say there's a strong undercurrent toward us putting ourselves back in bondage. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm going to get into this here in a moment, but I just got to punctuate um, what you just said. And that is that in the system, 
what ends up happening is rather than people looking to God and taking responsibility for their own lives and these kinds of things, what happens is you constantly look to the government for the next answer. Mm -hmm. answer. It is huge government and they need to deliver for you. Mm -hmm. You're a citizen, you have a problem, huge government needs to be your answer. And to think that a human government, Marxist socialism, is going to do that for you and give you a better opportunity than true freedom. To me, it's crazy, but most people are not thinking about what this actually is. Mm -hmm. Now, Than, let's transition here. I want to read a quote to you and uh, see if you can guess who said this, okay? okay? So this leader today, one of the most uh, notable leaders in 2020, really since uh, the George Floyd riots, mm -hmm. um, was getting uh, interviewed. And in this interview was asked about, like, but, but do you have some clear ideology? Mm -hmm. And this leader responded this way. We actually do have an ideological frame. Myself and one of my co-founders in particular, we trained organizers. We are trained Marxists. We are super versed on ideological theories. Hmm. Do you have any idea who said that? I'm going to assume the leaders at Black Lives Matter. That is exactly right. In fact, there's three women that co-founded this, and this comes from Patrice Cullors, and she's talking about her and her other, one of her other co-founders, Alicia Garcia, mm -hmm. saying, we are Marxists, saying we are well-versed, super-versed is what it says, in ideological theories. How many people now, now out there, do you believe even are aware, aware of all of this? Like, Black Lives Matter recently, you know, in a poll a couple weeks ago, was given a favorability by the American people of about 60-some percent, mm -hmm. okay? Do you think that these people that are saying, hey, we're in solidarity with Black Lives Matter, do you think they're even aware of this? Most likely not. Just to show you how misinformed I was a few weeks back even, I didn't even realize Black Lives Matter was a corporation at one point. Mm -hmm. I just thought it was a saying. I just thought it was a statement that people could come and agree upon. And after digging into it, I realized there was a corporation. And that just opened up a whole can of worms for me to kind of dig into. So to answer your question, I don't know if the majority of the people that I even support Black Lives Matter know that it's a corporation that has Marxist ideology. So here's here's the thing, though. It puts a very different picture on things when you when you're talking about what's going on with riots mm -hmm. and uh, the upheaval throughout our nation, when you read it through this lens mm -hmm. versus the lens that I believe the narrative or the, the media has been trying to give us, which is um, that most all of this is a very peaceful protest. Mm -hmm. You know, when you look at it through Marxist ideology, people do want to to uh, destroy the current system, mm -hmm. then they want to resurrect a Marxist socialist version mm -hmm. through a system that has been destroyed. Now, have you run into this at all in terms of uh, the media and, and feeling like it puts like a peaceful spin on things? Yeah, definitely. Um, we live in a very postmodern society and truth is relative. 10 second clip now can be a three second clip and you can spin your own narrative off of that. So. While, yes, there are there have been some peaceful protests going on, mm -hmm. there have also been very violent, destructive, and chaotic protests going on. And the media is focusing in on these things. And in my opinion, they're doing it on purpose. And they have an agenda behind what they're doing. Right. If you have 
people in the media that have also bought into Marxist ideology, well, that's what we're going to get. And a lot of things, other voices are going to be ignored or suppressed. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, I think we're dealing with a lot of that. Let me just uh, quote here somebody who's been on the news a lot in the last week. And um, his name is Hawk Newsom, and he's the uh, he's the uh, Greater New York Chairman for Black Lives Matter. And you know, it's interesting to me that these kinds of things are stated, but often not part of the mainstream media. Mm -hmm. And and he talks about how they get ins their inspiration in Black Lives Matter from various groups too that he identifies are black. Black, the Black Panthers, as well as the Nation of Islam. And if you haven't exactly tracked with Black Lives Matter, mm -hmm. they really distanced themselves from even their previous generation of blacks who were really spiritual in a Christian way. Mm -hmm. um, gospel uh, uh, Christians and gospel music, they are distancing themselves from mm -hmm. that whole part of their heritage, as well as obviously broader American culture. So let me actually read what Hawk Newsom says here with an interview with the, with the Daily Mail. And he says, we are preparing and training our people to defend our communities. We are prepared to stop these government-sanctioned murders by any means necessary. We pattern ourselves after the Black Panthers, after the Nation of Islam. And he went on to explain that there's like this military arm of Black Lives Matter for the uh, war on the police. Mm. This does not sound like Martin Luther King Jr. kind of a, approach to, mm -mm. to civil rights that we saw before. Um, he goes on, though, to talk about an interview with, uh, that he was having with Martha McCollum and says that um, if this doesn't, if this country doesn't give us what we want, then we will burn this system down and replace it. I could be speaking figuratively. I could be speaking literally. It's a matter of interpretation. Hmm. You know, there, there's something going on here that is very uh, potentially violent. Yeah, hearing that quote, it makes me very concerned because, again back to your point of how many people actually know about this? How many people have actually heard this? How many people are concerned about this? And why isn't anybody else talking about it? That's my question. Why, why are we the people, mm -hmm. for the most part, ignorant to this? Yeah, well, there are some people talking about it, but I believe what we're bombarded by, mm -hmm. again, by mainstream media, is this other narrative. There's these other voices aren't really allowed. You know, there's just so many examples, and I don't want to spend a lot of time yeah. here, but, you know, for example, um, Tucker Carlson highlighted with the actual video footage of this street in Louisville, Kentucky, where this lady is driving up in her car, Black Lives Matter, stop her, mm -hmm. and... She feels threatened. She actually flees her car because, as Tucker says, for her own life she's concerned about. Mm -hmm. As she's running, it shows her trying to get away. And Tucker quotes National Public Radio, NPR, and how they phrased it was that this is an extremist woman threatening the Black Lives Matter protesters with her vehicle. But you can look at the actual uh, video footage, mm -hmm. and that is not the case. It's like there's this intentional thing going on that only a certain amount of information is allowed in the mainstream mm -hmm. media that fits the going narrative. Yeah, and it just kind of goes to show that, again, there is an agenda behind the way you present the facts. 
the way that we present anything. Mm -hmm. And truth, I, I struggle to find truth in any sort of media right now. I, I don't know what, su what really sucks in this day and age especially is, at least people in my generation especially, we, how are we supposed to know what to believe when we see it? How are we supposed to know? Well, my generation's wondering the same thing. Yeah, and how? So, for instance, I saw um, this. I saw this um, news publication that essentially, in the same day, posted two articles. One said, um, "No evidence that COVID nineteen cases spiked due to BLM protests." On that same day it showed that there was evidence suggesting that COVID-19 cases spiked due to a Trump rally. Hmm. Wow. And how is somebody untrained in critical thinking, all these other things, supposed to interpret this data that they're receiving? Right. Well, obviously, most Americans don't. What we do is we hear what this person said. We just receive it and go on our, yes. our way. And often we parrot what we're getting in these little sound bites to other people without unpacking and having a thoughtful mm -hmm. discussion. Yeah, that and add on the fact, because you brought, you brought up thoughtful discussion. The other huge issue with this is, in my opinion, social media. And the reason I say that is because the issue of racism has been weaponized, in my opinion, for this Marxist society, I'll call it, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. And I think it does the issue of racism and injustice now, because... The issue of racism cannot be discussed in comment sections on social media. It cannot be discussed on a picture or anything like that. And you, it, this dialogue like this has to happen. Otherwise, nothing will get fixed. And I'll even go further than this. I don't think even dialogue like this will fix an issue. I, the only way, in my opinion, for the issue of racism to get better, the only way that's going to happen is with a heart change. And there's only one way a heart change can happen, and that's through the redemption of Christ and the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. So let's highlight this again. Yeah. I just barely touched on it at, at the beginning. But if we sacrifice the biblical paradigm of sin and forgiveness, meaning we both humble ourselves before God and receive mm -hmm. his forgiveness, but where we have seen racism in our hearts and other, mm -hmm. you know, a hundred other sins, we haven't gone to other people and confessed our sins and changed our ways. Mm -hmm. If we sacrifice the whole biblical paradigm for this new paradigm, which is actually isn't that new, it's mm -hmm. been around since Karl Marx, but this new paradigm of just simply embracing the oppressed and the oppressor, mm -hmm. never we will never deal with the real issue that you just talked about. We will never have healing of the human heart. Mm -hmm. We'll never be able to come together. Yep, definitely. And I think part of the part of the reason why Marxism is even being embraced by a lot of the American people right now is because God has been thrown out the window. Christ has been thrown out the window. And our culture is progressively getting darker and darker, mm -hmm. which we know is coming. Mm -hmm. um, but now we're facing the trouble of how do we spread the gospel and how do we as Christians respond in a time like this and be able to share the gospel. Um, mm -hmm. it, it, it presents a very, you and I can't fix this issue. I don't like I said nobody can fix this issue. I think it's it has to come down to a heart change, which and that means, Marxist society mm -hmm. will not allow for that. Right, which means the body of Christ cannot do what typically the body of Christ does. Yep. Which 
I was preaching in Colossians 2 last week, whatever was there. Mm -hmm. Now I'm just preaching Colossians 3 and the week after that will be Colossians 4. We have got to nail the truth. All truth is mm -hmm. God's truth. And if we don't bring the truth even into the contemporary discussion of mm -hmm. what's going on, which I would suggest this as a, as a fundamental posture for the church, is there racism? Absolutely. Yep. Does it need to be purged from all of our hearts, starting with the body of Christ, but of course throughout all of culture mm -hmm. as well? Yes, yes, we need to purge all of it. But at the same time, I, for one, I am not a Christian leader that's going to be standing in solidarity with Black Lives Matter or other groups that are not, um, as I tried to show last week, Martin Luther King Jr., he was led as a black man from the scriptures, from his mm -hmm. Christian faith. And he said, I will stand with the church from the end. I am not hearing that in Black Lives mm -hmm. Matter today. And I'm not standing in solidarity with any group, whether it's a, 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 a group led by black women like Black Lives mm -hmm. Matter, or it's a it's a, 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 a white group of whatever variety, mm -hmm. or a Hispanic group. You have got to come together with the body of Christ, and the, the body of Christ needs to find its voice. This issue of that we're talking about today is not going to go away, because not only is Black Lives Matter maybe the most re recent um, vocal expression mm -hmm. of Marxism, but Marxism has been taught in our universities for a long time. And mm -hmm. we need to look no further than the popularity of somebody like Bernie Sanders, who mm -hmm. talks about democratic socialism, which is Marxism. Marxism. We need to look no further than that to see that this issue is not going away. In fact, Bernie Sanders has been extremely popular mm -hmm. with, uh, with a certain segment of the population, both four years ago and right now. Yep. Well, I want to circle back into some biblical themes that mm -hmm. we barely touched on. However, um, you have an interesting story that you shared with me earlier today. Yeah. And that, that was uh, just related to the difference in how some, some African-Americans have talked to you versus whites. Please share. Yeah. Um, so as you know, I'm Greek, right? And so, Christopolis. Yeah. It's a clear, clear indicator. So because I'm European in descent, legally speaking, I'm white, Caucasian. And... So, but obviously I have darker complexion. And so in my life, I've passed as Latino. I've passed as Middle Eastern and I've passed as a lighter black person in my life. Mm -hmm. and, especially, you, you told me earlier, especially like when you're getting a tan. Yeah, in the summer like and stuff. Yeah. And so, especially like if I'm in Greece and I come back after I'm from, after a trip in Greece, I get very, very dark. And so... I've passed as a lot of different races and I've experienced racism. I'm not going to say I'm the vi I'm a victim of racism. I don't like that word, but I've experienced the effects of it. And so for example, um, I've had run-ins with the police that when I was darker, I can't say, I, I can't say that these police encounters are strictly because I was darker and they thought I was a black person. I, I have no way of proving that. But from my personal experience and in my perspective, when I was darker, I did have a harder time with police officers and how they treated me in the past. Another example is um, I went to, when I went to a trip in Arizona and I was with a few people, um, it was an old, older folks community home, for instance, and I had a longer beard than I do now. And I was told I needed to shave my beard because there were people talking and complaining that there was a terrorist in town. You can imagine how that right. makes you feel. Mm -hmm. And so to get to the point is 
I, I have tons of friends from tons of different nationalities, skin colors, all this other stuff, right? I've never had a single black person that I've talked to about this experience with tell me, you don't get it because you're not black. But they're saying that you really do get it. Yeah, and they're like, exactly. Now you un like you understand my pain, mm -hmm. and it might not be to the same level that they maybe they've experienced it. Perhaps I've experienced it to a more level than it's all case by case basis. But to get to the point, these people that especially these, I hate to bring race even further into this, but I've had more experiences with left leaning Marxist leaning white people that virtue signal and are like the social justice warrior type tell me plain to my face you don't get it because you're not black you're white <laughs> wow and to me it's revealing it, it to me it's just where it, I, have to, I have to ask the question at that point which is at what point do you draw the line where i've experienced racism and a black person has experienced racism but a white person hasn't mm -hmm. for instance i you know, Than, um, <laughs> thanks for sharing that. Yeah. It's so interesting. There is a huge problem with everything we're talking about mm -hmm. today, and I would say losing our freedoms that we were just celebrating on the 4th of July from our white friends. Mm -hmm. and, and here's the thing. It's like I have white friends that will throw around um, basically very limited talking points related to critical race theory mm -hmm. and the 1619 Project. Now, now, in the previous Insights video, I talked about those in detail. I'm not going to today. Yeah. But critical race theory has nothing to do with Christianity. It has nothing to do with the Bible. It has nothing to do with forgiveness. It has mm -hmm. not. It'll be, over time. It's going to be so divisive. The two do not mix. Exactly. But I have white friends that are kind of like, oh yeah, you know, we just really need to understand this, and this is what the African community is all about. Blah blah blah. Mm -hmm. And they don't understand how this is actually weaponized language mm -hmm. trying to destroy the relationship that whites and blacks currently have. Mm -hmm. The thing that troubles me the most about this, again, is how it's been weaponized just to fit a narrative and push the narrative and get people to fall with the narrative rather than mm -hmm. the truth. The truth. Right. And if you stand on the side of the truth, more often than not, the, and I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not to open up the can of worms of cap, cancel culture, but you're canceled. Right. <laughs> hey, you're silenced. There's so much related to. If we look at the history of propaganda from all mm -hmm. kinds of different regimes, it's like happening now. Cancel culture. You're silenced. We're going to pressure you. Mm -hmm. We're no longer buying your product. You're going to be silenced. This is crazy. What happened to dialogue? Mm -hmm. That It makes me think about this video where a BLM employee went up to this white woman on camera and said, I need you to get on your knees and apologize for your white privilege. Now, I think a lot of us have seen that. Yeah. yeah. And so I don't, I don't know where this woman stood, right? I don't know what she really believed in, but she was faced with a choice. If she, if she is on the side of truth, does she get on her knees and not stand up for what she believes in simply to protect her identity and protect the rest of her life? Or do I stand up for what I believe in? And if I do stand up for what I believe in, at what cost? So, so okay, then tell me, you, you just had a lot of interactions yeah. with black people. Um, like, what have the black people said about that very scenario? So, you know, it, it's a really good question. And I find it really funny. And I'm having trouble in my brain harmonizing these two clashing experiences. Because if you go to the media and social media, all you see is BLM, white supremacies all over the place, all this other stuff. But on a daily basis, I interact with many of my black friends. 
and they're often not uh, more often than not saying the same things I'm saying, and they would probably agree with us. Mm -hmm. um, I'm having a really hard time harmonizing those two, to be quite honest with you, because I don't know if it has to do with geography, who I'm talking to. Most of my black friends are Christians, so I don't know if that has something to do with it, but. You know, I actually think it has more to do with how the media is painting a certain narrative that does not exist mm -hmm. in our personal relationships. i got to share a couple examples. Yeah. So, first example, I'm close to somebody that drives a, a bus, public transportation, right in Minneapolis, right in St. Paul, where all of this happened. And you can't pass over St. Paul. Mm -hmm. St. Paul, Minnesota, had 80 businesses and buildings burned to the ground, okay, and, and destroyed and all this kind of, kind of a thing. But anyway... He told me, now get this, this was within a, a week, I want to say, but for sure within two weeks of George Floyd's death. Mm -hmm. Okay, so all this destruction and mayhem has been going on. He's driving a bus in St. Paul for his job, and he, he, you know, they have the mirror so they can watch what's going on, and he often talks with his passengers, etc. He said, he's in the inner city, he's, uh, all these black and whites are on the bus, and they're all enjoying each other. Mm-hmm. They're not thinking like the media tells us to think with mm -hmm. all this hatred and division. And I want to be quick. The primary spokesman in recent days has been Black Lives Matter. I don't believe most people are thinking this way. Example number two. Mm -hmm. So I pray on Tuesday mornings um, with a small group of people. I love praying with these, this group because they know how to get deep with the Lord, okay? Mm -hmm. They're the kind of group that would spend hours in prayer, not just, you know, 10 or 20 minutes yeah. kind of thing. Well, anyway, um, this group is often made up of two African-Americans, one Hispanic, and there's two of us that are white. But I have to say, the other white guy, he's like the leader of the ministry, but he's the most black white guy I've ever been around. He's <laughs> ministered to blacks like his whole adult mm -hmm. life. He gets it. He's married to a black woman. Mm -hmm. I mean, this guy. So I'm going to say, in terms of really like white, white, I'm the only one there that, mm -hmm. that fits that. Okay. Anyway, one of those African-Americans was explaining during this prayer time, was explaining that he grew up in Chicago, and he's in his mid-50s, so he's seen a lot. And he said, what's been going on in recent weekends in Chicago? And this is not very far from where he grew up. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, there's been all these shootings just, just recently on one weekend, 104 shootings, 14 African-Americans died. And he was explaining that the vast majority of those shootings and I believe all of the 14 African-Americans that died that weekend, they were all killed by other blacks. Mm -hmm. This is his point, exact quote. He said, where is Black Lives Matter now? Mm -hmm. Why are they saying nothing? And then he says this, do black lives only matter when a white person kills them? Mm -hmm. He's like, where is the voice? And, you know, again, he's, he's smelling there's something funny here. There's something off. Mm -hmm. There's something that's really um, doesn't square when you look at the facts and you look at all of the information. And so, anyway, um, there's a lot going on here. Yeah. And, um, you know, I wish we had, you know, more time to talk about all this. Definitely. I honestly agree with what he said. Um, the narrative is strictly white versus black for some reason, and the narrative they're pushing is strictly not true. Is there Are there white supremacists? Yes. Are there people that are racist? Yes. Are there KKK members? Yes. But the vast majority of the people, as I'm walking around, mm -hmm. are walking around in unity and want unity with each other. Well, let's conclude with this little factoid. So in January, there was a poll conducted nationwide, 
And what this poll found was 82% of citizens throughout all of America trusted the police, appreciated the police, thought they're doing a good job. 10% mm -hmm. were like slightly unfavorable. Only 4% of Americans, up until this whole thing started blowing up at the end of May, only 4% of Americans in this study said that they were strongly unfavorable toward mm -hmm. the police. And it's like, do you hear that as part of the narrative? So, of course, well, I wish, Dan, that we had more time yeah. to unpack all of this, but I think we've hit the main the main points. Definitely. I appreciate you being here again. Welcome back. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, we look forward to being with you next time on Insights.